was very excited when Doug started talking about a Southern Gothic time-hopping monster of the week set in... Jackson, South Carolina. Sorry, my brain. I, I was just like, my mom, like, it starts with the J. It starts with the J. What's the city? What's the- <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. And we just got started talking, and then we came up with the idea of me doing a prequel set in Oak Ridge. And then I'm like, I'm going to run away with it after this, but... Nice. Yeah, I'm really excited about that because I, I like. I'm gonna pick Jackson Town back up here in the near future, and I love the idea that there'll be these two concurrent storylines running separate from each other, and like the weird shit that happens, like in Oak Ridge, won't necessarily be the weird shit that happens in Jackson Town. And so, yeah. this thing exists, this world exists, but there are multiple levels of this world. Yeah. Cool. And then after this, it's becoming my world because I have ideas. And I like sitting in an Oak Ridge because I don't have to do any world building. I know Oak Ridge. I grew up there. Nice. Doug, why don't you tell us a little bit more about the grander world for Jackson? After the end of World War II and uh, before the Korean War, before the Korean conflict, the Department of Defense and then later Department of Energy basically claimed a few dozen sites across the southeastern United States. Uh, Little low-lying, like, chicken shit areas of land that could be converted into something secret and something that couldn't be easily penetrated. And on these sites, they built nuclear towers and, and cooling stations, and they enriched uranium for the atomic bombs. This was after the initial after the Hiroshima Nagasaki bombings. This was during a time of exploration of different kinds of atomic energy. And these things were occurring in these special sites in the Southeast. Each of these places look a lot alike. They're built on the same plan, more or less, which is to say they're all a maze of crisscrossing routes and crisscrossing job descriptions on the site and stuff like that where nothing's ever clearly defined except the closer you get to the top the more you know in these towns weird little shit happens because when secret things are happening bad things have to happen to keep those secrets especially if they are nuclear secrets so imagine if down to the tiny blueprint details of uh, of a nuclear facility were guarded national secrets the kind of paranoia that might spring from the population that works there. And here's the thing. The population that works there had a town built for them. And all those towns are a little bit alike. They're little square block towns with little outlying areas with like farms and whatnot. But the towns are planned structures in a way that most southeastern cities are not. And what you would get is... One day there'd be just this nasty swamp area. For Jackson, it was this one, there was this one nasty swamp area along the Savannah River where nothing grew, nobody could put up stakes, whatever. The government bought that land, came in, built dams, drained the swamp, built a goddamn nuclear facility and a town around it. And they did that in a bunch of different sites. So the overall idea is that the reality that we find ourselves in right now and the reality of the game that we find ourselves in is this timeline. Except that. What you don't know about this timeline is that in 1987, there were uh, a handful of scientists 
floated back to 1950-something from the site in Jackson. Jackson's site was the first to be successful with a time travel event. Oak Ridge was the first to try, though. And so there's the technology that, that exists between the two would be very similar. And when these guys were sent back to the 50s, a new timeline branched off. And in that second timeline, the reality was that in 1950-something, people showed up from the future and brought cool things. We don't live in that timeline. We live in our timeline. We live in our timeline where we think that it failed that we sent people back because we didn't see any changes. And so that's where we are. That's all any civilian would know. And with the site at Oak Ridge, what made it different is that site had existed before all of this because Oak Ridge was built as part of the Manhattan Project. It was where they enriched the uranium for the atomic bombs that were dropped, both um, Fat Man and Little Boy. Not many people know that part about it, unless you're either a World War II history buff, or you grew up there, and then you have a lot of inside jokes about glowing in the dark, and there being a radiation bubble, and that's why it never snows. (laughs) But with Oak Ridge, it used to be this hub of scientists and it still is because I don't think they ever really gave up trying to figure out time travel but they did realize that when you combine sort of like radiation that's been seeping in for a while with time travel stuff whether they realized it worked or not is just no one knows because it's been very secretive but since those experiments started, strange things have become common. Things will just kind of like appear and then disappear. You'll see weird animals in the woods. Nothing has been overly threatening, and a lot of it centers around the lab, which not many people know what goes on in there. Some of our characters will have heard rumors of some things, whether it's through work or... Because a lot of scientists go to the Waffle House to eat and talk about weird shit that's been going on after a long day at work. <laughs> this weird stuff goes on. But no one knows the full of it. But recently there have been rumors of something is stalking the lab. And it's gotten to the point where an older gentleman, uh, Dr. Whaley, has offered a reward to whoever can solve this and. There's all kinds of rumors about what's been causing this from, like, just bored teenagers harassing people, people protesting the environmental damages they think are being done by the weird stuff that goes on at the lab, to, in a small corner, some people believe there's aliens involved. (laughs) Because there's at least going to be one person in the town that thinks there's aliens involved. Yeah, that's me. It's a weird little town. It's hard to get around. It's next to a much bigger, faster-growing town where all the kids and most people go to go shopping in Knoxville. There technically is a mall on Oak Ridge, but most of it's shut down. There's not a lot there, but it, it continues to exist and be weird. I figured this would be a good time to introduce all of our... introduce ourselves and our characters... Let's go around and say who you are, what you're a part of, and tell us a bit about who you are playing. I'll start with Doug. I brought a hat, because I feel like that helps. 
I'm Hawk Bailey, and uh, I, I run the, the AAA Atomic Pawn Shop. And I'm the guy you come to if you need something fixed. I'm the guy you come to if you need something that ain't strictly on the books. And I'm also just a just a down-to-earth, friendly bitch. I know everybody, and everybody knows me. Also, introducing yourself as a person. No, no, no. Hawk, way more people know Hawk than know Doug. That's why you have to introduce yourself. I'm Doug Holly, and uh, I'm in uh, the Good Better Quest podcast. And we have two campaigns running right now. One called Bachelors in Engineering, which is set in Adventuring College, in which I play a character who is a, a druid barian named Durek, and he's a lot of fun. And uh, in the other campaign, uh, A Long Errand, I play a guy named Jake who has secrets in his tummy. And you can find me on Twitter at, at Doug GBQ. And Doug is playing the crooked if the people crooked. didn't guess. Hi, I'm Nicola, Nicola the Druid on Twitter. I am a lot of places. You can find me as the executive producer for The Sonova Project, an audio sci-fi fantasy audio drama. You can also find me as the marketing druid for the Backwater Bastards, and you can find me currently playing in the Good Better side quest campaign, A Long Errand, where I am playing a psychic, and it's really fun. You were also on one of the Worthy Able Star one shots. Yes. Also I is was. kind of a psychic. I did. I I like to play characters whose brains work. And who are you playing today? Oh crap. I am playing a character that's not Nicola. <laughs> I'm playing Rosalind Stollard, aka Roz. Roz is a 20-year-old, grew up in the town, but is very, very into conspiracy theories. And she thinks she knows a lot about what's going on in the town, and she is very convinced it's aliens. So that is probably exactly what's happening, and I think I've already solved this mystery, but nope. Okay. Time out for cat. And I think I've already solved this mystery, so... That's nice and convenient. But yeah, she's a conspiracy theorist. I'm playing the Flake playbook. So that is new. I'm excited. Hi, everyone. My name is Ian. I use he, they pronouns. And I'm also a part of Ballad of the Seven Dice's Rise of Nyarlathotep campaign, a word that I've had to pronounce more times in the past couple months than I've ever had to pronounce in my life. I play Weary an artificer tiefling in that game and it's on twitch also on youtube when we post the episodes but for here i will be playing bartolomeo delgado and the spooky spirit that hangs out with him called vejigante he is the spellslinger playbook and he's just think puerto rican jack black i think is the best way like he's like 26 but he's like basically built like jack black with like way more hair like he's got a mane of like dark curly hair that like goes to around his shoulders and uh, like a little mustache and he's just he and dresses like a little goth so he's just having a good day usually well hello everyone my name is David Tilstra I am the dungeon master for From Afar Podcast we just like to pretend like we know Sail and we like to look for the lost city of Atlantis over there today and I'm very excited about this I'll be playing Darren Calloway a waiter at the local Waffle House, a young kid who's just graduated from college and he's just trying to find his way in the world and he's been in this small town 
for his entire life. Yeah, he's just sort of a moody, edgy little guy who's sort of like, oh man, I'm stuck in this town. Why am I stuck in this town? But he doesn't do anything to really get himself out of the town. So that's Darren. I'm excited about him. Hi, I'm Casey, and I play Anima on aboard the Opal Star. Today, I'm going to be playing Annabelle Joyce. Annabelle Joyce is the local pre-K teacher, and she also does a lot of community service, volunteer work, um, a lot of charities. Basically, if there's something happening that supports a good cause, you're going to find her there. Either volunteering her time or volunteering her money or just there to support the cause, whatever happens. But she's kind of mysterious. She doesn't have seem to have any friends that are real close. She doesn't really seem to have any family. She's always kind, but kind of in an aloof, set-apart way. Should I go ahead and say what playbook I'm using? Yes. I'm using the Divine playbook. I just love the facial response, especially because Discord video froze on your face. (laughs) (laughs) It was great. Yeah, now I get it. Let's talk about how we are all connected with the history questions. Where are my pins? Let's do reverse order for that. So, Casey, what are your connections? Okay, for... David's character, Darren. Darren saved my life. He was supposed to tell me, but we didn't work that out beforehand. (laughs) Today, right now, it's happening. It's going to be, we were out, we heard some of these rumors and some of these rumblings of stuff going down at the science, or the security complex. We went to check it out, and like we didn't actually make it inside the complex, because before we got there, we were trying to cross the street, trying to be all sneaky, and Uh, There was a a truck that came barreling down the road, and I had to do my best to save Annabelle. And I pulled her out of the way, and then we got spooked, so we ran away from the the science complex that night. That's canon now. For Bart, I'm using the, they're an abomination and should be destroyed, but you can't, because you don't know if they're just a strange human, or I guess I don't know if they're just a strange human, or actually a dangerous entity. For Hawk, I believe that Uh, He is, at heart, a good and righteous person, and I should help him stay that way. And for Roz, it's, in the playbook, it's, you're the person they go to for mortals, but for, like, mortal stuff, but I have changed that with permission from Brianna that Roz is the person I go to for all my conspiracy theory needs. I just like listening to them. I think they're fun. And it's weird, and not many people talk about this kind of stuff, and you're not sure how true any of it is, but you're pretty sure. (laughs) And then Annabelle, I saved her life on a hunt, a previous hunt at one point. And I think we're sort of tied to each other for that. Roz is my little kid cousin, who's still, I'll never say this out loud to, but deep down I care very, very much about her. And Hawk, who... Doug over there is playing. We sort of have built this father-son sort of bond through a very intense series of my biological father and him working together and then there was some backstabbing going on, but I see that Hawk is probably my best ticket out of town. So I've been kind of latching myself to Hawk over there. And Bart was one of the ones who introduced me to magic and monsters. And again, sort of I see it as a potential way to get out of of this town over here. 
So for Bart and Roz, at some point, Bart basically saved Roz's life, but it ended up with the resulting thing of like, oh, Roz saw me do magic. That's going to be a pain, only for Roz to turn around and be like, so you're an alien, right? Which is, Bart just never bothered to correct Roz about it. Plus, he keeps making cookies, so he's like, eh, it's fine. With Darren, I chose the connection of, like, he's kind of like my conscience. So whenever the creepy stuff or the magic stuff kind of gets to Bart's head, Darren can kind of bring him back down to Earth. They get along pretty okay. Everyone just goes to the Waffle House a lot, which is weird because it's Waffle House. I mean, it's a delightful place for gatherings, I I won't lie. Uh, For Hawk, there's, um, I've chosen like mentor figure of sorts, but not because they've actually mentored each other, more so that like Bart knows that if he ever wants to take on some very suspicious sort of work, Hawk would be the person to ask. Especially since like normally Bart's job is like fortune telling, but that like doesn't pay the bills all the time. Bart specifically doesn't really trust him. And then for Annabelle, it's sort of like a rival idea where Bart's magic behaves kind of strangely in the presence of Annabelle. So it makes Bart kind of want to overcome that and also keep a wary eye on whatever Annabelle's up to because stuff doesn't really affect his magic much. So whenever something does, it's like, I'm going to keep an eye on that make sure I'm safe. Moment of... That's not supposed to do that. I don't know why it does that just around this random preschool teacher, but... (laughs) basically. Squint suspiciously. All right, so the connection with Roz and Bart on my sheet is called Fellow Freaks. Bart accidentally revealed their magic when saving my life, and of course, that means that I'm totally validated and they're an alien. But while, I mean, while they're here spending time with us, they need to try all of the different cookie types because that's going to make it when their mothership comes back, it's going to make them favor me because I was really nice to them. For Darren, Darren is actually my cousin. So we've grown up together and I'm also a night owl. So I kind of go down to the Waffle House and I talk to him about crazy conspiracy theories at 2 a.m. And then I get to hear all the things that are talked about at the Waffle House. With Hawk, I know Hawk through the the store when getting my upgrading things like my computer because I'm a little I'm a little conspiracy net person. Girl, I don't know. There's probably a good word for that. I've had to go through the pawn shop because you can't find them locally. But also, something happened while we were there. We both witnessed something, and so we formed a bond. So that is called You Went Through Hell. And then lastly... For Annabelle, we chose they're somehow tied to it all. Because Roz doesn't believe that Annabelle's doing anything nefarious, but they definitely think she might be part alien. Just because they're too nice. (laughs) That's suspicious. You sound like my normal party. They're nice, I don't trust it. (laughs) (laughs) Are we supposed to establish what the thing was that we saw? Uh, we can keep it vague, but I, I'm picturing it's like one of those things that hops in and out, except for usually it's like just like an inanimate object when you see a silhouette of something this time. Can I like give a really specific thing that I think will be? Yes, do it. Of course you can. Do it. Weave me your tail. All right. A few years ago when Roz was like a kid, like a, like a young, older kid, young teenager, uh, she was in the shop getting some, getting some, 
I don't know, some wires and whatnot. And as she was approaching the counter, a man dressed in like um, dirty overalls and boots, and he's like just covered in dirt, kind of appears out of nowhere, running as if he's being chased by something between us across the store and then disappears again on the other side. And we stood looking at each other for a moment. And and it was an alien. And Hawk wants to deny it ever happened. It's okay. Most people do. That's that's it's the just, way with it, aliens. It's, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you 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 gotta you gotta actually believe. Right. So, what are Hawk's connections? So Hawk is connected to Bart in that he figures Bart must know like all his shady stuff because. Bart does this fortune telling. He's always hanging out uh, with like the locals, and Hawk's not quite sure that Bart's not actually magic, and so he's really suspicious of Bart because he feels like Bart knows too much, and in a way to try to mitigate the risks there, he has approached Bart a couple of times with an offer of making a little extra money doing some side work as long as he doesn't ask too many questions. But uh, so far, Bart hasn't uh, hadn't taken him up on it. With Annabelle, Hawk sees a person who appears by all, by all appearances is a righteous person. But Hawk's not necessarily convinced because he thinks everybody's got secrets and everybody's hiding something. So he has this sort of He's drawn to this person, like he wants to know more about what they are because he sees them out in the community all the time. But he's just certain that there's something shady about her. But secretly, he hopes there's not. And then for Roz, Roz is like a distant, half-removed niece. And she's just like, you know, crazy cousin Roz and her conspiracy theories and... Hawk always cuts her a little bit of slack because she's his favorite cousin's stepkid or something like that. And that's his connection with, with her and that, that they also, they saw some guy run out of the past through the store and he likes to say it didn't happen. And then the connection with Darren is that um, Hawk was in business with Darren's dad and a time came where Hawk could make a business, business decision that would help him, but it also hurt Darren's dad. And he took that decision, he made that decision. And he more or less caused Darren's family to go into like financial ruin. But he always had like felt bad for the kid, for Darren, and always tried to look out for him a little bit, sort of out of guilt. Over time, Darren has started doing these favors for Hawk, not asking questions, taking a package from one place to the next, bringing back a package from that place back to the shop, stuff like that. But recently, he asked Darren to do some, some stuff that was clearly illegal with no plausible deniability. And now their relationship is a little bit strained. Just a little. Oh, Grace, there's all kinds of shady stuff going on. Like, I, I still couldn't tell you why, but for some reason, like, everyone in my school was convinced that the house across the street from my middle school was a meth lab. Sounds about right. I mean, it probably wouldn't. It was. It was probably the aliens. Just like a hiding place for aliens. Sorry, I realize that's going to get annoying, but I'm going to have so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to roll with all of the random stuff because I'm going to throw random stuff at y'all, and I'm, it's going to be fun. 
oh, you have no idea. I have an entire page of UFO conspiracies pulled up on my computer right now, just in case I need them. <laughs> yes. Beautiful. I love it. Someone has offered up a reward to deal with this thing. And for those of you who went to get more information, either by email or phone call, you found that whatever has been stalking lab actually attacked a woman a couple of nights ago when she was going out to her car. She wasn't injured, but she did see this and was able to tell, even though she was very shaken up, this isn't a natural thing. This is like particularly weird. I'm curious, how did you all find out about the job, about the reward, and what made you decide to pursue it? So Bart, uh, he goes through the whole rigmarole of, like, casting magic. Like, he has, like, this old you know, mortar and pestle, basically, and, like, uses that to cast the spells. There's never anything in the mortar and pestle. It's just how he does it. But whenever he does, this bipedal reptilian dinosaur-looking spirit kind of shows up behind him. And that spirit is called Behigante. And it has this horned mask-like face. If you look up Vejigante masks, and that's V-E-J-I-G-A-N-T-E, you'll see what those kind of look like. They're very colorful. But basically that's how Bart casts magic. And with that being said, Bart was casting something mundane, like, oh, I need to like fetch something from over the tree. I'm not going to climb the tree. And when the spirit showed up, the spirit was like not leaving and trying to get Bart's attention to go do something. And that pushed him towards them trying to solve this mystery. He does sometimes nudge about things and warn about things. Mm -hmm. Okay, so Roz was definitely on the internet in her deep, deep, deep chat rooms. And somebody mentioned something that they heard. Or, no, I like this better. Somebody has some weird monitoring equipment and saw a spike. And so it prompted me to go down to the Waffle House. And I I kind of like excitedly tell Darren about it. And then I overheard that someone got attacked. Yeah, I imagine there have been like random spikes, but this was the biggest slash closest that you saw. Exactly. And so you're just like, oh my God, oh my God, Darren, Darren, Darren. We gotta go, we got, I, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna, oh. I'm gonna go check it out. I gotta go check it out. Hawk maybe was one of the first people in town to hear about it because his supplier from the site that brings him the irradiated tools or brings him the tool. (laughs) That person has already been talking about the rumors and talking about a reward, but he doesn't feel like messing around with it because it seems either dangerous or silly. But then he hears Roz talking about it in the store. And Darren. And Darren. And these are two youngins that he, like, has some sort of feelings for and so when he hears that they're doing this thing he's like god damn it I guess I'll have to go do it now and so he's there he doesn't say that he's there for this he says he's there for their reward but he's really there to make sure that Roz and Darren don't get killed he's the grumpy old man dad friend yeah there's a couple reasons I think like the first most like base reason is if there is a reward if there is money involved in the situation I think Darren would see that as an opportunity to leave and just get away from his family and get away from just the life that he has lived thus far. But also I think there's probably maybe a deeper point that he doesn't even realize if like Hawk is going in and it's potentially dangerous. I think Darren would very much want to be there to not necessarily protect Hawk, but just 
keep an eye on things. And kind of the same with Roz. I don't think Darren is mature enough to understand that he cares about people. I think that's just sort of a, a deep down instinct of these people have shown me care and love and I need to return that favor, basically. And if someone was like, there's a monster out there, he'd be like, no, that's stupid. But he'd be like, uh, yeah, I definitely want to go see if that's real. A part of it is definitely, oh, wait, you said money for going, killing a fake monster? Of course. Yeah, let's go do that. I don't believe in monsters at all. I was also in the Waffle House. And I go there sometimes when I know Darren is at work because after he saved my life, I was like, I'm going to help this kid. I owe him now. So I would go there and I'd get something and I, then I'd way over tip in cash when I knew he was working so then he didn't have to split it. I overheard it and I was like, well, that's strange, but strange things happen. And I heard, you know, Roz and Darren talking about it. I was like, okay, there's something weird. And then one of my students saw me around town and came up to me, and this student has a parent who works at the lab, and this student was telling me that she heard her parent talking, and she was kind of freaked out about it, and she wanted me to like make, help her feel better about it. And I went, okay, this is starting to scare my students. I need to do something. And so our story begins in a strange little town full of strange people trying to solve even stranger mysteries. Welcome to the Atomic City, the secret city, the city behind a fence, and to the setting for our show, Tempest Multi. There be monsters here. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned next week to find out what happens next on Tempest Multi. If you don't want to wait, you can get early access to our episodes over at patreon.com slash pseudonymsocial. If you like our show, please consider leaving us a review on your favorite podcasting app so people can know where to find us. We couldn't do this without your help. Season 1 of Tempest Multi was made in collaboration with Doug Holly of Good Better Quest. He has a prologue for a show that he will be doing in the future set in Oak Ridge's sister city of Jackson, South Carolina. Brianna Jean is the keeper and producer with editing help from Nikki of Beholder to No One. I'm Casey playing Annabelle Joyce, and you can find me on the Aboard the Opal Star podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is David Tilstra, but today I'll be playing Darren Calloway. I am the dungeon master over at From Afar Podcast. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at From Afar Podcast. You can find myself at David Tilstra on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah, that's about it. Hey, this is Doug. I play Hawk Bailey. You can find me on Twitter at DougGBQ or on the podcast Good Better Quest. I'm Ian. I will be playing Bartolomeo, the spellcaster, and you can find me on the Ballad of the Seven Dice Twitch channel playing Weary in the Rise of Nyarlathotep campaign. Hi, I'm Nicola, and I'm playing Rosalind Stollard, a.k.a. Roz. You can find me on Twitter at NicolaTheDruid, or on Twitch as Druidcraft Productions, where I host Tiny Hut, a weekly show focused on education, advocacy, and charity. Stay safe out there, dear friends, and always remember things are not as they seem.